here. If you're new with us, welcome. We're so glad to have you here with us. Uh, here at City Church, we are about knowing Jesus, loving people, and impacting your world. And so we've been on a journey through the Gospel of Mark, which is helping us to get to know Jesus better. It's helping us to see his heart, and it's helping us to see what he calls his followers to, the kind of life that he calls his followers to. We've titled this this sermon series, Jesus the Servant King. Jesus the Servant King. In Mark chapter 10.45, many would, would point to that verse being the key verse in the Gospel of Mark. That the Son of Man came to serve. The Son of Man came to serve, not be served, but to serve and give his life As a ransom for many. And so as we've been journeying through the gospel of Mark, we have seen Jesus serving people. And he doesn't miss the marginalized. Those that the world typically tends to overlook, Jesus doesn't miss the marginalized. But he sees them and he meets them right where they're at. Oh, by the way, we have uh, child care available now. Little Life is now open. No pressure to use that, though. Uh, for ages uh, zero to four. So parents, uh, from now on, we have that available. Uh, for the older kids, uh, we invite them as well to, to be in the main service. But no pressure. All the children are welcome here. <laughs> Jesus said, let the little children come, right? And we, we're family here, and so no, no problem with, uh, with bringing your little ones and um, uh, worshiping it with the adults. <clears throat> um, as I said, Jesus sees the marginalized. Jesus sees those who others don't see. And today we're going to look at a story of how Jesus cares and sees about, sees a situation of, of a woman and a little girl, a father with a little girl who is sick. Uh, in, in the rest of the gospel, we see Jesus living on mission. Throughout this gospel, we see Jesus in action. Mark is very, very brief and concise in his description of Jesus and what he's up to. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus described his sense of purpose and mission that he lived with. He stated, after he had spent time early in the morning in prayer talking to his heavenly father, he said, let us go to the next towns so that I may preach there, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus was on a really important mission, a saving the world kind of mission. And yet, as great as he is, and as important as he is, he takes time to see and serve, quote, the little people. The little people in the eyes of the world. Because he is compassionate, and he is powerful. The title of this message is, Jesus is Able. Jesus is Able and Available. And as we read through Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43, we're going to see a glimpse of the heart of Jesus. We're going to see the power of Jesus. We're going to see the compassion of Jesus. And we're going to see the accessibility of Jesus, that, that he is available 
to those who have needs, to those who are in desperate need and need him to show up. And he's not only available, but he's able to do something about hopeless situations, despairing, broken situations. And so we have two of those in this Gospel of Mark in chapter 5, we have uh, the latter half, we have two of those where God shows up and he brings his healing. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the first part of uh, Mark chapter 5 and we I, sh- I preached a message titled, Delivered to Declare God's Works. There was a, a demon-possessed man who was written off and hopeless, if you will, in the eyes of the community. They did everything they could to try to help this guy. Well, they, they tried to suppress him. They tried to contain him. And they couldn't. And he was just, just this, he was a mess. He was demonically oppressed. And Jesus showed up and displayed his power over demons in Mark, the first half of Mark chapter 5. And now we see Jesus displaying his power over diseases. And we see Jesus displaying his power over death. I'm going to start with the big idea and then we're going to read the text this morning and just kind of go through the narrative. Jesus showed himself to be willing and able to heal and to help the sick and suffering. And he calls his followers to trust in his power to rescue. Jesus showed himself to be willing and able to heal and help the sick and suffering. And he calls his followers to trust in his power to rescue. Starting in verse 21. If you have your Bibles, turn there, and it's up on the screen if you're, if you're reading along. And Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side. A great, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And so notice this here. Jesus, on his his important world-saving mission to rescue the world, to, to lay his life down for the world, to preach the gospel, to cast out demons. He's doing really important stuff. And this guy, Jairus, has a, a very urgent request. Okay? And so Jesus is doing ministry. He's doing what, what the Father had called him to do. And he seems to be flexible here. He seemed to be flexible with, with the agenda, or he, he knew what was going to happen, of course. But he responds to this request, to the urgency of this request. Jesus was available to help. He was available. He was accessible. He was available to help. Notice verse 24. And he went with him. Now, perhaps the disciples had a schedule and they, were, they had it all figured out what they were going to do that day. Well, their plans seemed to detour and change. <laughs> but God had something he was up to. And Jesus was available. He lived his life available to do the will of the Father. And that involved serving people, helping people, healing people, teaching people. People was on Jesus' agenda. He had important things to do, or he had 
He had important people to help, rather. People that he valued and loved and cared about. And so, let's just first uh, look at this guy, Jairus. First of all, he, his, his status as a uh, ruler of a synagogue was, was a high status. Okay? He probably was a man of some means. He was entrusted with uh, taking care of a church. And this involved um, organizing and k- taking care of the facilities. Uh, synagogue rulers were not priests, but they were lay leaders who were responsible for the worship services in the synagogues and the physical facilities. Okay? So, so he's this high-status guy, this guy who is important uh, when it comes to the synagogue, right, in the Jewish community. Uh, and yet, he has this situation, okay? Now, note this, that difficult situations come to even people who are of high status and have means. You see, sickness and death comes, comes to each of us. The brokenness of this world touches each of our lives. No matter how wealthy and well off and physically well you are, there's going to come a time where the brokenness of the world, where you feel the sting of the brokenness of this world because we live in a post-Genesis 3 world where sin has let in sickness and suffering, disease and decay. And Jesus, the Redeemer, came to restore this broken world, to heal this broken world, to restore broken people and heal broken people. Okay? So he has a 12-year-old daughter who was sick and near death. Can you imagine dads and moms? Imagine your daughter is sick and you've you prayed, you've tried everything you could do to help her, but, but nothing's working. Nothing's working. Okay? And so there's this urgent request. Okay? And, and, and this guy, J- Jairus, is a part of a religious community and establishment that was antagonistic against Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. The Pharisees and the religious leaders already didn't like what Jesus was doing and saying. And so he was kind of taking some risk here. And, and he, kind of, he kind of overrode Preserving his image, if you will, in the religious community by falling at the feet of Jesus. He was in a desperate situation. And he's exhausted his options. And there was only one hope for the rescue of his little girl. And he appears to put his hope and his faith in Jesus, who is able to do something about his situation and who is available and willing to help. Amen. And then we see his supplication. He, he fell before Jesus in sincere desperation. And this seems to be an expression of faith. It seems to be that he was sincere and that he had an expression of faith. And he expressed it before Jesus. And Jesus honors faith as we see in the Gospel of Mark. Even imperfect faith. Even people who don't have their, all their theology tight and, 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 and correctly lined up. Jesus still honors faith that's placed in the right object. Namely himself. And so let's go on here. Verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. So here's, here's, this, here's this interruption here, if you will. All right? Jesus already agreed to go with Jairus to go 
lay his hands on her and, and heal her. All right. But in the midst of that, there's this this woman who had been sick for as long as this little girl had been alive. This woman had been sick for as long as this little girl had been alive. Verse 26. And who had suffered under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For he said, if for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. It immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Okay. Notice how Jesus allows himself to be interrupted. Okay. He's already on a, 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 another important assignment. Okay. The, the daughter of Jairus is about to die. Okay. And, and he needed to get there and lay hands on her so that she could be well. And there's this crowd around Jesus, and amongst the crowd around Jesus, there's this woman who had been suffering for 12 years. And probably, she, she probably didn't feel seen by too many people. She probably lived in isolation. But Jesus saw this woman. Okay, She had suffered 12 years with an issue of blood. She had this disease. She suffered much under many physicians. Okay? So the, her options had been exhausted with trying to get help from doctors. Okay? By the way, uh, no offense to any physicians or those in medical care uh, here. Um, cut my mic. Number three, there we go. No offense to those who serve in medical care here. You know, it's interesting that in Luke's gospel, he doesn't phrase it like this, Dr. Luke. He just says that she was, she, she couldn't be healed, right? <laughs> Dr. Luke just said she can't be healed, right? Um, but here Mark says she suffered under many physicians. Uh, she was, she was broke. She had spent all her money on remedies to get better, and she didn't have any money, okay? And, and, and what was happening was she was actually getting worse. So she had spent all her money. She couldn't get the help she, she was looking for from the doctors. She was getting worse, and she was living in, in, in isolation because she was ceremony, ceremonially unclean. You see, in Leviticus chapter 15... The, the Bible says that when, 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 a, when a lady has an issue like this, she's not able to go to the to, to temple and worship. She's not, she's not able to be a part of church. Okay? And she has to, to stay, uh, she has to social distance. She has to live a life of social distancing 
until she gets better. Right? And so this must have been really painful. Can you imagine? We went a little over a year uh, doing some social distancing. Just think about how hard that was. Well, she was, she was called to this life of, well, at least for, for 12 years, she had to be socially distanced. All right? And notice Jesus, by the way, doesn't rebuke her for not being socially distant. Right? She, you know, he doesn't rebuke, even though she was ceremonially unclean, all right? And anybody she comes in contact with, and anybody who comes in contact with her garments, where you know, her, her, they become ceremonially unclean. All right? But not with Jesus. Not with Jesus because we see something happen. Instead of Jesus becoming unclean, we see this woman get healed and become clean by the power of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God, the power of the kingdom of God was displayed for this precious woman that God saw, that God cared about, that Jesus was available for, that Jesus was accessible for. All right? I mean, Jesus was on this important mission to go heal Jairus' daughter. But he takes time in the midst of that. Now, I think if you were if you were in a in a work as a doctor in a, in a hospital and you switched, Karis, would, would you get in trouble if you switched from uh, from the, the, the one patient to the other? Right, you got this girl who's about to die. She's in the ER, but then there's this other lady who's been in in the uh, been sick for a while with this disease. Right, that would kind of be an issue, right? But Jesus didn't allow the agenda of others. To dominate his agenda. Jesus didn't allow himself to be hurried. He kept in step with the Father. And even though as busy as he was, he took time out for this precious woman that that probably nobody else saw. But Jesus realized. Jesus had self-awareness that power left him. Okay? When this woman touched his garment. And so this woman had been suffering. Jesus cares about the sick and the suffering. And he wields his power to help those who are suffering. Now notice, just like Jairus, um, Jairus, Jairus, she heard reports of Jesus. She heard reports of Jesus. Jairus had heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith was sparked in these two people because they had heard reports about Jesus. And she believed in Jesus. She believed that she would be healed if she touched Jesus. She approached Jesus with tenacity and faith. She pressed through the crowd. Okay? I mean, that she could have been called out shamefully. For being in that crowd, touching other people, being around other people. And even Jesus himself could have rebuked her, but he didn't. He healed her. He made her well. He affirmed and confirmed her faith. Jesus was approachable. He was available and he was approachable. He took time out of his demanding schedule to give this precious woman attention, affirmation, And confirming clarity about her healing. He didn't let this woman go on thinking that that there was some kind of superstitious thing that happened to her because she touched Jesus' garment. 
he confirmed, he clarified that she had been healed through faith. And it was faith in Jesus. Okay? Now, faith is only as good as the object in which you put that faith in. Now, some of you may have put faith in the Dallas Cowboys last year. And they let you, they let you down, right? And so faith is only as good as the object in which you put your faith in. We don't put our faith in faith. We put our faith in Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, the sustainer of our faith. He's the object of our faith. He's our healer. And he calls us to put our faith in him. Notice verse 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus was not only available, he was not only approachable, he was able to do something about this hopeless situation that this woman found herself in. Okay? Now he's taking time out to focus on this woman who's in need, but meanwhile, meanwhile, um, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion of people weeping and wailing. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Jairus... And my little girl was sick and about to die. And Jesus is like taking detours to help out other people when he said he was going to come help me. And then my daughter died. I might feel a little bit frustrated. Like, come on, man. I thought, I thought you were coming, right? I thought, it's, it's, there's, it's too late now. It's too late. But he didn't respond like that, did he? Now, we don't know what was going on inside. We don't know if he had this internal irritation with Jesus or what. But I know many of us struggle with that. When Jesus doesn't show up the way that we think he should. When we think he should. Our timing often does not align with God's timing and His uh, of, of doing things and showing up. You know, but, but the Lord is always on time. He's never late. He's always on time. And so there's this... This commotion, and so in, in the first century, um, there were there were people who their role was uh, a part of their role was to um, to mourn and grieve at funerals. There are people that would actually get paid for this, and even poor people had this this uh, uh, this privilege of having mourners to come and mourn with them. And this guy. Jairus was probably a, a man of means, so he probably had some significant mourners there to mourn the loss of his daughter as they were weeping and wailing. Verse 39, and when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Notice the weeping went from crying, weeping to laughter, just like that. Uh, per perhaps this indicates some insincerity of the grieving that was taking place. Uh, but they started laughing when he said that. And, and perhaps Jesus appeared to be in denial to them. <laughs> he, he's just not accepting the reality of death here. 
But he said, no, she's, she's sleeping. They laughed at him. And, they, and he put them outside. He put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where, went in with where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said, Talithia kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Notice the compassion of Jesus. No, notice the care of Jesus, the love of Jesus. Notice the availability of Jesus for this little girl, this little 12-year-old girl that he cared about. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And I would be too. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And he told them to give her something to eat. So he's practical too. Jesus is practical. Give her some food. She needs some food. Right? And so they do that. And they're amazed by the power of Jesus, by the compassion of Jesus, by the care of Jesus. Wouldn't you feel seen and loved in that moment when you are in when you're in your moment of desperation, your day of trouble, and you call on the Lord, you're looking to Him for, for salvation, for rescue, for healing, for deliverance that only He can give. And you've ran out of all other options. And there's no other human resource available for you to do what only Jesus can do. They're brought to that place. They they request Jesus' help. They believe Jesus. And He shows up. He shows up. Notice a couple things here. Jesus is available. He's approachable. He was able. He's able to heal. And He's amazing. Jesus is amazing. He amazed them by what he did. When was the last time Jesus amazed you? As you read the scripture, as you saw him, you saw the Lord answer prayer and show up in your life. May we live lives that are in awe and amazement by the person of Jesus. Because he is powerful and compassionate. Now, I want to go back to verse 36 here because there, in, there was this moment where when they, they told Jairus his daughter was dead, okay, there was, there was a report that was contradicting what Jesus was about to do and what Jesus was saying. And this is going to happen with all of us. We're going to hear things from people. We're going to experience ridicule because we believe the promises of God. And we're, we're, faith, we're all going to come to that place of, of, of being challenged in our faith, being tested. Are you going to believe what Jesus says? Or are you going to believe what everybody else is saying and what the circumstances are saying? And Jesus' response in that moment, overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. I'm sure that... I'm confident that that is a word for somebody here this morning. Somebody who has been fighting fear and anxiety. Somebody who needs Jesus to show up and confirm and affirm his promises and what he says is true about them and about the world and about the the rescue that he's going to bring in the world. You see, faith in the promises of God really is an antidote to fear. To cripple, crippling fear. Glory robbing, joy stealing. 
least hijacking fear. Faith is the antidote. And God calls us over and over throughout Scripture to resist fear. The command to not be afraid is in the Scripture more than any other command. Okay? And so as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus... We have to allow faith in what God says. In in Jesus Christ, the person and the words of Jesus. The person and the work and the words of Jesus. The one who is our redeemer, our salvation, our rescuer, our redeemer, our Lord. And what he says trumps what all the other voices say. And I know it's a battle. This is a battle for each of us. To live a life of faith rather than fear. And so let's resist it. Let's stand on his promises. God says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. So let me me share a summary of William Lane, the commentator on uh, the Gospel of Mark. He says the resuscitation of Jairus' daughter is both a deed of compassion... And a pledge of conquering power, the conquering power of Jesus over the combined forces of death and unbelief. In which the kingdom of God was disclosed as a saving reality. It is precisely in deliverance from death that the salvation which Jesus brings finds its most pointed expression. Jesus came to rescue. Jesus came to save. And he displayed the power of the kingdom of God. He brought the kingdom of God. He made the kingdom of God available and accessible to to the marginalized. And people of high status and people of low status. I love that about Jesus. That there's no favoritism with him. Right? He meets people where they're at. And... And whether you're whether you have high status in society or low status in society, you can come to Jesus in faith and he is accessible to you. He is available to you. He is able to rescue you and do something about your hopeless situation that you find yourself in. Amen. And so here's a couple points of application in closing. Trust in Jesus knowing that he is willing and able to bring healing and rescue. Trust him. Trust in him. It's not faith in our faith that we have. It's faith in Jesus. It's not faith in ourselves, in our power, in our uh, uh, intellect, in our understanding. Proverbs says don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. And so we put our faith in Jesus. And the righteous do this. Those who've been made right with God have been made right through faith. And they live by faith. By faith in Jesus. That's what God calls his people to. To live a life of faith. Not fear. Not trusting in ourselves. But looking to him. As our only hope. As our rescuer. And then know that Jesus will not be hurried by our timing. He will not be hurried by our, he will not be hurried and our timing doesn't always align with his. I mean, we see this in, with the story of Lazarus, 
who died, right? And Jesus just, he seems to have uh, another agenda that he's, that he's not, he's not going to give in to the agenda of the crowds. Like he's available to help. He's willing. He came to serve. But he's not going to let the crowds dominate how the Father has called him to serve and save. Alright? And so, so there's, there's times where God doesn't do things when we think he should or the way that he think he should. should that, that, that we think he should. But oftentimes he'll, he'll give us more than we ask for, like with Jairus. He was asking for just, you know, come, come lay your hands on her and get her better. But, but she died. And he raised her up. And so he did even more. And then bring your request to Jesus tenaciously in faith. Like the woman with the issue of blood. She, she pressed through the crowd. She pressed through all the burials, the ceremonial barriers, the social barriers. The emotional barriers, the, the fear barriers, the risk of being shamed publicly. She, she pressed through all that. She just needed to touch Jesus and she would be made better. And she was. And we all need that. Jesus told her, your faith has made you well. The, the, the word there is so-so and it's... It's the same word that's used for salvation. Okay? And theologians uh, 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 highlight that this woman experienced not just physical healing, but she experienced salvation through faith. Faith that was directed towards Jesus. Faith that was put in Jesus. And Jesus met her there. And so bring your request to Jesus tenaciously in faith. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. Boldly with confidence. We can come right on in knowing that God is willing and able to help us. To give us grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And so bring your request to him. Turn your fears into prayers. Turn your anxieties into petitions. Pray your fears to God instead of allowing it to rob your peace and joy and cripple you from movement and motivation in doing God's will. Replace crippling fear with faith in the promises of God. Let us be a people that are trusting in Jesus and looking to him for our rescue. Amen. Kevin, would you come on up? I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a time of uh, a response. And as they, they come up this morning, if you're watching online or if you're here this morning and you're in a desperate situation, you need Jesus to show up for you. We want to pray with you. We want to point you to Jesus. We, we want to uh, encourage you to direct your faith in Him tenaciously, persistently. Trust Him that He's willing and able to show up in your situation. Call upon Him. We would love to pray with anybody here who's going through a hard time uh, and you need prayer for anything at all. You can come up to the front. I, me and my wife are, will be available to pray for anybody here. If you're online, if you would just message us online and let us know 
what your prayer requests are, what, what you're, um, you're needing God to show up for in this time for you. And if you're not a Christian and you're, you're here, you're watching online, I urge you to, to come to Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus. He's your only hope. Don't wait until some desperate situation happens for you to, to realize that he's all you got and he's all that you really need. Come to him today. Come to him today and call upon his name. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 10 that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Jesus went to a cross. He suffered and he died for you and for me. Died upon a cross, went to the grave and was raised up so that we might be forgiven and free and live forever with him. In a world of perfect love, where there's no sickness, where there's no suffering, where there's no death. And so if you're not a Christian, today's a great day to become a Christian. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Jesus' arms are open wide. He is available. He is accessible. He shed his blood for you and me so that we can be forgiven and free and healed and delivered and experience life eternal. And so don't put that off. Have the sense of urgency that Jairus had, that this woman with the issue of blood had. Allow Jesus to be your great physician, to be your healer, to be your rescuer, your redeemer. I want to stand.